I once asked an older person, I was like 19 years old. I was like, so at at that age, you find people attractive? Is that how that works? And they're like, yeah, definitely. I was like, I need that. I need to know that. I don't know. I'm not, I'm 34. I'm not, I haven't, I haven't been around. I I don't know. You're giving me a funny look, Dominic. It's like, if you're 75, do you find 75 year olds attractive? I would think that, I would hope that answer would be yes. Or, I mean, there's a reason why Hugh Hefner only dated like 19 year olds, right? I mean, you tell me. Different story, different time. All right, well, let's go out to the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Let's talk to Joe DiBiase, WGR 550 in Buffalo. Joe, how's it going tonight, man? Hey, what's up, John? How you doing? Not much. We're going to one of the golf courses you retweeted on your Twitter account, and I'm getting kind of envious. Uh, you a big golfer yeah. or no? I am hitting the golf simulator like a couple times a week right now. I'm itching to get a... Uh... The weather turned, but I feel like we got a while still. You you play the encore ball that Josh Allen sponsors. You do a different yeah. one. Those are those are hot around here. Local company. There you can't really uh, you can't really avoid them. That, some Masters commercials on like during the game yesterday too got me itching for it. I love is was it Case Keenum that was the backup quarterback for Josh Allen for a little bit there and, and like part of the reasoning why was Josh Allen said Case Keenum was just awesome at golf. Yeah, <laughs> yes, him and uh, that's actually funny. Coincidentally. All of Josh Allen's backup quarterbacks are like incredible at golf. <laughs> Matt Barkley, I think, is maybe the best golfer that I've ever heard about or seen. At like the Bills had a tournament a couple years ago, and he shot like in the 60s. Wow! And Keenum, I think, was like maybe in the right around that too. Like, yeah, I, Allen likes to golf during the off season, so I wouldn't. Uh, I don't feel like you're stretching too much to, to tie those two things together. Wow, oh, I love it. I think he's doing the pro am next week, right? Oh, oh, I see. He, man, Josh Allen does not miss a tournament during the offseason. If he's invited, he's going he's gonna to show up. I thought he did good with the, uh, what was it, Allen, Mahomes, Brady, and I'm missing Rogers. somebody. Rodgers. Rodgers, yeah. Rogers. Yeah, 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 yeah. I thought he did good. I mean, I mean, the, the highlight of those is obviously Barkley. You take Barkley off those, I don't know if it works, but, but between the four of them, I thought Allen, I thought yeah. he did a good job showing character and such. No, he was, yeah. I wonder if they, I wonder if they do that again, if he'll get another another crack at it because last year it was like wasn't it clay thompson and steph curry that they mixed in there? against so, kelsey and mahomes right against kelsey and mahomes well we'll have to i mean they're running out of duos i mean they could do <laughs> allen and well whatever i guess they'll, they'll, oh. they'll figure that out this, probably this not time. allen and Diggs because they won't be teammates anymore or 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 will no. they be no they'll they'll they, hey they'll they'll be teammates i mean even if Either side wanted to move on from that. That's a part of the digs discourse that's always missing. I think is even if and we don't have any credible like from him or report that's like definitive. No, he wants out. If he did, if he walked into Brandon Bean's office tomorrow and said, "I want to be traded," I think Bean's response might be, "Okay, I mean, I don't know how I'm fitting a thirty-one million dollar dead cap figure." So I don't even know what to tell you. Like I don't, I don't even think they could do it. Like logically, if even if he wanted to be traded. Yeah, I just keep, I keep envisioning you guys down twenty-seven ten to the Bengals in that snowstorm, six minutes left in the fourth quarter, and Diggs is just mm-hmm. yelling at Allen like, uh, like I would, like I would yell at someone yeah. I hated. Like it was just awful. Yeah. No, I mean that's that's how he kind of is, right? Like I actually have compared him to the way Jimmy Butler is in the NBA where like, he's kind of that same, like super fiery, but you know, once in a while, this was Butler, right? Like Minnesota, right? That blow up practice. Mm-hmm. And then he got into it with his coach once in Miami, like Diggs is an insane ultra competitor. Like I, uh, of which I don't know that I've really seen in, in Buffalo. Like I've seen other guys, like, I mean, 
you'd want to go all the way out. Jordan was like this, you know, in the nineties. And I mentioned yeah. Butler and I think Brady was like this a little bit too. Like Diggs does not accept losing, but I don't, especially with Josh, I don't think there ever was really any animosity there. Like they, they're the, the way they talk about each other, the way you see them interact, like at training camp and throughout this season, um, like Diggs, Diggs can get hot about his team losing. It's not even usually about him not getting the ball. It's legitimately for him that he cannot stand losing. Um, so I think, yeah, his emotion came out in that day. And really ever since, I don't, I haven't seen a ton that, you know, makes me think that him and Allen are, you know, not doing well behind the scenes. I want to share with you my, my fun Jimmy Butler nugget, and then you can use it next time you talk about him being, uh, Stefan Diggs being the the same person, basically. Uh, Jimmy Butler owns really expensive cars, right? Obviously every pro athlete buys really expensive cars. He cuts off the rear view mirrors on his cars because he doesn't want to see what's behind him. That's not a joke. Like that's that that's not a joke. That's true. Yeah, boy, go look at any of them. They're, the rear view mirrors are all cut off because he doesn't want to see what's incredible. behind. Incredible. I need. I'm writing that down right now. So this is the next time I make that comparison, I don't forget that. That's amazing. Joe DiBiase joining us here wow. on 92.3 The Fan. All right. Before we get into some of why I want to have you on with Ken Dorsey, let me ask you: Was there a part of Buffalo today in watching what the Chiefs did to the Ravens? Did you guys think to yourself like? If we had just taken care of Kansas City the way that we thought we were going to, Baltimore wouldn't have been the team that we thought yeah. we were going to play? Yeah, a little bit. I, I think the sentiment was that the Bills' defense, the way the injuries piled up at the end, I don't think could have done as well a job against Lamar Jackson that the Chiefs' defense did. But it's hard to not have that some version of, of what you just mentioned that like, okay, actually the Ravens weren't unbeatable, you know, even though they beat the Niners, you know, down the way they did. And some of the other regular season games, the lions, they blew out some great teams during the regular season. Oh, look, they're not, you know, they're, they're you can penetrate them. So I think defensively, I think that gives you some, you know, frustration after the bills lost, but I don't know. I think the sentiment around here today is more like Chiefs in it again and just, okay, maybe actually not as much heat on Sean McDermott because Hmm. there's the Chiefs again in it. Like, oh, nobody really can do this. The Bengals did it one time, and it took shutting them out in a second half and overtime to stop the Chiefs from going to five consecutive Super Bowls. There's a little bit of the Tom Brady-Bill Belichick complex. The Bills every year walked into a season 0-2, and it was just, we're going to wait out the Patriots and hope that this eventually ends. And this kind of, unfortunately, I guess what it feels like with the Chiefs, which is they're just going to go every year, aren't they? And like I, I think that's really the low point of the, the fan base this morning. It feels like the Chiefs are just going to be here until Andy Reid decides to retire whenever that ends up being. That's a very interesting twist. So McDermott's almost being let off the hook a little bit now. That's, that's fascinating. Cut. I, a, a little bit, like in a way of like, well, there's really nothing you can do. Like yeah. nobody is doing this. Like, okay, go fire Sean McDermott and bring in another coach, but there's no coach that's beating the Chiefs. Like mm-hmm. what what you're asking him to do, nobody looks like they're capable of doing it. I know I'm the Bengals have been the one team that has been able to do it. Um, so not entirely. I mean, he still has a pretty big crowd, I think, that you know would like to see it eventually become a hot seat situation for McDermott, but I also don't think at the same time he's actually on any real hot seat. I think him and the owner, you know, are pretty tight. I think the GM's in lockstep. Like, as much as the fans want to talk about his job security, I really don't think it's a discussion in the building. Was Ken Dorsey a scapegoat? Uh, Yes and no. 
Yes and no. I think I think it can be true that he was a scapegoat and maybe also deserved to be fired at the same time. Like the game in which he got fired immediately after, it, it kind of, you know, for McDermott, I almost feel like the timing hurt him. And maybe it was that he should have done it a week earlier and maybe the discourse would have been different because he fired him right after his defense had a bad play call, let Russell Wilson move down the field at the end of the game, and then a 12-man penalty on the field at the end of the game cost them and lets the Broncos kick a field goal for the win. The immediate events leading up to Dorsey's firing is what everybody was looking at and going, well, he didn't do that. You did that. And I think that almost hurt McDermott in this. But like on our show, we had been discussing Dorsey's job security for weeks before that. The Bills had been moving the ball with these short passes, but the downfield element of their game, explosive plays, they were like bottom five in the league with Dorsey this year. It had all completely vanished. And I think he was not doing really the best he could have been doing with the offense. Again, timing was kind of weird. So I do think he kind of got scapegoated because McDermott maybe got pushed over the finish line on him because he was starting to get the heat. But at the same time, I do think there were credible reasons why it made sense for the Bills to move on from Dorsey at the time. From a Browns perspective, then, do you feel like, and I, he's not going to call the plays. I'd be very surprised if Svanski right. gives that up. Uh, but from a Browns perspective, then, do you feel like Ken Dorsey was the right hire? Or do you feel like we're just getting somebody that, yeah, he might have had some success, but a lot of people can have success with Josh Allen, and the success he had probably wasn't enough? Maybe. I, you correct me if I'm wrong on any of this, but the way I see Dorsey there, it's more of a natural fit for me than what he was here with the Bills. I think the word I would want to describe Dorsey's offense with the Bills were, was confusion, which was I think he was trying to make them. I mean, his, he grew up and came up as a coach with the Cam Newton Panthers, who ran a ton of 12 personnel, two tight ends on the field, lots of play action. You at least had the one similarity, which was, a running quarterback, and that part of their offense I do think worked um, when they wanted to do it. But the rest of it, like that Panthers team that went 15-1, and Dorsey was on that staff, that team was very run-heavy. They had a great run game at that point in time. And I think he wanted to make the Bills some version of that. They drafted Dalton Kincaid when they already had Dawson Knox on a big contract. They drafted James Cook in the second round last year. They brought in Damian Harris. Like I think they drafted linemen this offseason that were very good run blockers. I think what Dorsey wanted was to kind of make them an under center, two tight end, play action type of team with Josh Allen. When Allen historically has been at his best spreading it out, five receivers on the field or four receivers in a tight end, whatever, and that way he's got guys that can get open, and if he can't, then he can decide to run as a plan B. And I don't think that's really the offense that Dorsey wanted to play. So, again, you correct me if I'm wrong on this, but the way I've seen Kevin Stefanski offenses no, over that, the years. No, that first one was and, exactly Stefanski. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, and, and, like, the play-action game that he's been doing since Minnesota, and if Nick Chubb gets healthy, and the, their line, I think, is a better run-blocking line than the Bills have been. I, and Joku and the, 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 the Harrison Bryant. I just think personnel-wise, Dorsey is a more natural fit for what he's walking into in Cleveland if they stick with that than what the Bills, I think, what he was trying to make the Bills into. So what changed when Joe Brady took over? It was, I, the run game obviously was a big factor of that, but is that was, yeah. was it that evident that the offense had really evolved and moved to something different? A, a little bit. I think there's two, two things really changed. 
under Joe Brady. They they increase the amount of motion in their offense, and they increase their short uh, screen passing game in a big way. They use the running backs down the field. I think the the passing game that it just kind of changed. Like they, I think they understood what they were not. They understood that they were not a team that they understood their weaknesses, I guess I should say, because they didn't have the speed. They didn't have the downfield separators past Stephon Diggs. And he was getting double teamed the entire season. Um, I think a lot of the things Dorsey was doing that weren't working were causing Allen to throw the ball into contested situations. I don't think he kind of had a great understanding play calling wise, what his quarterback really wanted. And Allen would go throw it anyway. And you could say that's a criticism of Allen, too. I think Joe Brady realized, okay, Josh is going to throw these passes anyway, so I've got to get these open. And however I'm going to do that, you know, whether it was the motion, I think, is really what helped do that for their offense. But the second thing, and I don't even know this is Dorsey's fault, because this could come from the top down. This could come from ownership or the management above McDermott or probably McDermott. They decided to run Josh Allen after they fired Ken Dorsey. And I think at the beginning of the year, they wanted to keep him healthy. They wanted to keep the hits off of him. They thought they could get to the playoffs, win the division, and be competitive for the one seed without running Josh Allen. And then they fired Dorsey. They hit their bye week. I think they probably decided, we don't have the horses on offense. We don't have the guys that get open, a receiver, to not run Allen. Let's run Josh Allen. And I think the handcuffs, Dorsey, Dorsey had handcuffs, I think, on Allen running that mm-hmm. Joe Brady did not. And I think that's another area where it's not even his fault, but that's a big reason why I think the offense looked better in some respects than when Dorsey was calling plays. Joe, fantastic insight as always. Appreciate you giving us a few minutes, and uh, hopefully we catch up with you later. Thank you, Joe. Definitely. Thanks, man. All right, good stuff right there. Joe DiBiase, love that. A North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodger M Hotline. We're going to react to some of what he had to say. Uh, I, when he described it the way that he did, in regards to Kevin Stefanski and that offense, I mean, that's that's interesting to me because that is exactly what Kevin Stefanski likes to do. I, does it not? It's, it's perfectly aligned. It makes a little bit more sense. I don't know that I love that for Deshaun Watson, though, and that's a little bit of a worry for myself. 216-474 to below 92. We come on back. We'll get to that. And also, I haven't touched on what happened yesterday in the NFL, and I got to ask you, there's one big takeaway I got. Was the game just too big for Lamar Jackson? We'll do that and more. It's overtime with Jonathan Peterman here with you on The Fan.